If you want it, baby, I can show ya. If you want it, I can get to know ya. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. Let me explain as I'm taking it off. Let me explain how I feel about us. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. I can show ya. Okay, welcome to Sperm Donation World podcast. And today I've got the author of the new book. Uh, achieving parenthood the struggles are real the hope is internal or should i say in achieving parenthood the struggles are real the hope is internal like <laughs> you know, you wouldn't get me as the uh audible guy that speaks it would you <laughs> <Is> it- <laughs> <laughs> so jay richardson the author of that book welcome to the show Thank great you. to have you here good to be a part of this Basically, you've now written a book. I met you through Spend Donation Australia previously before you wrote this book. We've spoken quite a bit. You were, I think, when you first came to Spend Donation Australia, you were quite disgruntled, or um, uh, you found out like your a few things about the clinic, or you got given a list of donors that wasn't that as long as you were expecting or hoping or anticipating uh at the time yeah. uh so there'll be a few things that we talk about like that uh that we'll go through and uh but basically you've chosen the option of being a single mother by choice is that correct yeah yes so we'll talk about your life and we'll touch on the book later and what inspires you so we'll get to that part uh so you know tell us your life as a woman growing up where'd you come from to hit to where you are now tell us your journey to parenthood and yeah the and your decisions behind being a single mother by choice yeah yeah absolutely um so if you can hear it there's a bit of an accent there um i was born and grew up spent most of my childhood in the u.s and then i spent a lot of time um over the last 15 years traveling internationally um, I've lived in New Zealand and I've lived in Australia now for this will be my ninth year permanently living here. So it's been it's been really good. It's been a journey, it's been very exciting. My my path <laughs> to parenthood um, actually started out here a number of years ago. Um, I was married and my my now ex-husband um, he and I had a, a lot of conversations around becoming parents and um, children. It was always a very touchy subject. It was one of those that he was very bipolar on it. Um, there was emotions from his past from an incident that had happened years and years ago that tainted kind of his, his view on things and, and going forward to, to be a parent. Um, and I, I think that was part of the reasoning behind the manipulation that came from that marriage, specifically on the topic of, of children. Um, but it was, you know, it was a very toxic marriage anyway. So when I got ready to leave that, um, it was it was a big decision, but it was the, the final straw was based around children. And I kept saying to him, you don't understand how much I want to be a mother, how important that is to me. And I said to him, if you make me choose between being your wife and being a mother, I said, you're not going to like the answer. 
That's because I will walk out that door. My, my urge to be a mother is a lot stronger than it is to be your wife and to put up with the abuse that I was dealing with at that time. It's, you know, I don't know. I've only been married once and uh, I dare say I'm, I know I'm not in a rush to get married again. I don't, don't know. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on my radar anyway. But, you know, a lot of people when they get married, it's sort of you're setting up a base, you're setting up foundations with each other, you know, you're setting up a lifetime plan. And for many people that get married, and it's often quite a question that people when they get married, as soon as, you know, as soon as you get married, people start asking the question, oh, when, when's children? It's sort of like the next step in the cards, isn't it? You know, so basically, you know, I think this day and age, I mean, obviously there's religious reasons why people want to get married first and or people who are deeply religious that don't want to um, lose their virginity before that and, and so fast. There's various you know, reasons and such. Like when you're getting married with someone, normally you think the next step is, you know, well, what's the plan you know do we enjoy our honeymoon for a little period for a while and then you know in, in one or two years or two or three or whatever the time space is then we start looking at having children you know you've you've got married uh, you know did, did he propose to you who you know or were you pushing at the idea of of, of getting married to this man and and was there prior baby talks or was this something that happened afterwards you know what what was the scenario with that because obviously it didn't end up working and you've gone through other means now to uh, do this yeah well I mean you know, we had had multiple conversations about children um, while we were dating before we got married throughout the entire marriage he was just very um, back and forth about it and it was one of those things where we'd have a conversation we'd be back on board and I'd go you know go to the doctor start doing blood work you know get going on vitamins and and you know start making the transition towards starting a planned parenting um, approach. And then I, he would come home from work and he would say, you know, oh, I've changed my mind or, um, you know, even as far as waiting to find out if I had a positive blood test result come back. And I would be told things like, um, uh, if you're pregnant, I think you should get an abortion. Or, you know, remember there's always a set of stairs. Wow. And it, you know, that's, that's a, a big swing from go see the doctor and let's do this to that. And it was just constant up and down and, and it was just, it was too much. Um, it, my, my views were always, this is what I want to do. And they, they never fluctuated from that. I always wanted to be a mother. Mm. Um, and you know, this, this up and down was really taking a toll on me. And I could see that you know obviously you know you still love a person even for their faults but it it was just something that with that it was just the icing on the cake to everything else and I just went you know what this isn't this isn't where I need to be um, so you know you've come to that but, decision you're, you're at a fork at the road moment you know do I keep putting up with this or do I look at ways of now becoming a mother so you know you've Given him that ultimatum, was it was it a clean split or was it a lot of back and forth thing after that? You know, what was the situation there? And uh, you know, did you did you part ways on good terms or you know was you know because there's a lot of women that are in this position that they know they're going to want to be mothers, but you probably need to 
have a partner that's sort of clear, like a not a back and forth, I'm an R in person. And I think probably in hindsight, there's things now that, you know, obviously you learn with age and wisdom. And I guess that's what being an author of books are is you, you're helping out on people's journeys and, and speaking about, you know, uh, other people's journeys and complications and fit and, you know, uh, triumphs and uh you know things that they had to go through to get to parenthood it's not necessarily that easy you know and and sometimes when you're in a relationship it can really uh you know a lot of people can hold on to that relationship too long and then miss out on parenthood as well in hope that the, they eventually change their mind yeah yeah um and it and it was one of those things that i just I knew I had to leave. I knew that I needed to, to move on. There were things that I wanted to achieve in life that I, I definitely wasn't achieving at that stage. Um, and that's, you know, personally, career-wise, parenting-wise, it was just nothing was ticking the boxes there. And and for me, it was really important that I start, you know, following that and, and getting back to who I was at my core. And I had lost sight of that. It was a bitter split <laughs> and it's it's kind of interesting talking about it because I, I I've not actually publicly discussed it to be honest um it's one of those things that the people closest to me really know the story and and what happened but um it is something that probably people need to be aware of yeah um my split was under dv and I had my location omitted from every document. Um, there were police reports that were filed um, because of his career um, and his standing in that career, which I won't name. There was concern that potentially it, it would blow back um, and it would affect his work. And because of that, he actually wrote a letter trying to have me deported. <laughs> wow. Um, I can laugh about it now. Um, <laughs> it's been a hell of a journey. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've gotten past all that and I, I, can, I can see the humor and, and laugh at that now. But at the time when you're in the middle of it, the finding out, you know, that, that someone is, is so bitter towards you needing to not be in a toxic environment any longer that they're willing to write a letter to try to have you deported, to have your life that disrupted. It's really hard to deal with. Uh, and especially on my own, I didn't have a good support network here. All of my family was overseas and I'm not, you know, particularly close with them. And there's a couple of family members that um, have always been quite supportive, but overall it's a very small network. And it was, it was a lot to take on. Um, and I ended up fighting you know, for, for my place to be here. Um, and I went before the tribunal and they heard my case and saw the evidence and reinstated my residency. Um, and I became a citizen in January. So <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a journey. Yeah. Really good. 
I mean, look, it's, it's, you know, the thing is, and it's why we love having single mothers by choice on the show or single mothers to be, or, uh, because we all have the story and, you know, like we, if we, we can all pretend our, our lives are rosy and perfect and that, but it's not the case though. You know? Like we've all got our struggles and our roadblocks and, uh, interactions with people that can turn nasty and bitter and, and all that sort of stuff. I think as a society, and this is what this podcast is good because you can talk about these things and so many people can listen and resonate and they can, you know, it's about female empowerment and showing leadership of saying how you can get through all this and be triumphant on the other side and having your family uh, in a way that suits you now uh, with less complications because I think we do grow up with the idea of you know you need to be married and have a have a have a family that way and well you need to get married so you get married and you know like it's sort of it doesn't always end up as a fairy tale ending that way and sometimes this way <laughs> that you've gone through now is ultimately become your fairy tale even though it's not told in the children's cartoons and that you see growing up i mean you don't see a children's cartoon of the the aspiring single mum to be choice having a child and you know being a real uh role model character for kids to grow up and watch as a you know uh, as a disney film do you like it's sort of (laughs) no no you don't definitely but there will be a children's book about it very soon (laughs) Yes, and uh, I just did a, an episode uh, with uh, an author about a children's book, and uh, you know, I'm, something that I really, uh, I really encourage people to write and put out there, and uh, um, and I'm trying to get me made into a cartoon as well, I'm trying to get an author to, you know, <laughs> for one of our goods. <laughs> You know, yeah. So uh, you know, but I feel I've you know because uh, you know there's you, you still see people today. It was a, a stupid uh, lady that rang up New Zealand about don't concede people about me going to New Zealand and and blah 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 and they're and they're like and do you really do you really want uh, to be telling your child that you met someone on Facebook to have a child? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like over seventy percent of people now meet through social media or tinder and all that's these apps now like so are the whole 70 percent of the population of the next generation going to be pissed off and deterred uh angry and upset at their parents because they chose a person from a social media it sounds like ah just uh yeah and that i thought that was really quite you know trying to alienate uh not only myself but then the listeners listening to it and i thought well that's just silly but oh there's there she is now (laughs) did you want to do you want to attend to that oh we can just pause it you've you've done the split you're on a, a journey to motherhood handling the split and looking at your options what you know what was the options then you know how old were you when you broke up what year was this um what year was that 2017 16 17 sorry 17 2017 so that last year is a bit blurry yeah and and i know how it is now as well because the years go so fast it's hard to keep up with everything it's yeah so you've broken up 
you know, mm-hmm. you're at you're at the stage you're like, well, what, how do I have a child? You know, what's what thoughts are coming to your mind now? How do I have a child from here? Well, it was it was one of those things that, um, to be honest, I kind of had this vision for my life back when I was, I don't know, maybe fifteen, where I thought this is where my life was headed, where I would be doing that journey on my own. Um, and then when I met him, and he said, "Oh, you silly woman, you don't have to do this on your own," you know. And and it was going down that pathway and that love story that unfolded into a bit of mess. Um, but then it was getting back to that and, and remembering that that's where I thought things might head and looking at that again and saying, no, 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 I can do that. I can go back to that. And, you know, changing my mindset to, to be able to approach that. And it was just one of those things where you kind of start feeling overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? This is, this is what I'm doing. I'm 100% invested all in. Let's do it. Okay, where do I start? <laughs> and it was one of those that I didn't really know if at the time, if that was something that I was going to be able to do here or if I was going to have to go overseas. I didn't know anybody that had gone through that. Um, I didn't have any connections in the community for that. It was, it was all very new to me. So it was just time to, to research as much of it as I could and come up with a game plan. And I started with a clinic that uh, was, was local and I was a bit disappointed um, with the process um, and especially going through the, um, the donors list. And that was pretty much based around information and health and it was very disappointing for me to, to see that the Australian list had, the people that were on there had a lot of health problems. And it, it you know, registered how many smokes they had a day and, you know, the fact that they were heavy drinkers, heavy smokers. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't want to give, give that start in life mm. with that to the other half of genetics. There's, there's got to be, a better option and the only other option to, at that stage was to to go international and that added you know an extra thousand dollars essentially to the to the price tag of, of doing this and it's and it's you know can you really put a price on on having a family and, and doing that but yeah you actually can um and i think it can be quite ridiculous i mean we're quite fortunate here in australia where there's you know benefits that we can get for that overseas people you're out twenty thirty thousand dollars easy you know for for IVF treatments and and other um you know IUI don't spend all of that it, it adds up very quickly um and there's there's actually a lot of clinics here which which one do you go with how do you choose that so it's, it's a lot to take on in the initial stages. I mean, you, you know, you've, you've gone through the process. Uh, I'm presuming you did counselling. I'm presuming you did some testing. Yes. And then yes. they give you 
the list after you've paid? How much money have you paid before they give you the list? They do it in stages. They get a bit sneaky about it. <laughs> so I think it was um, from memory. You do the, the genetic testing, which I think was just over 800. Um, then you've got your, your standard blood high uh, scans, your medications, and all of that. Another, you know, six, seven hundred dollars. And then you've got your your donor sperm, which was I think thirteen hundred from memory. It, it adds up, but they they do it all in stages. And it would have been nice to get that list to begin with at the at the, the front one of the first stages wouldn't it to say okay this is what you've got you know like this is what you got to offer because i mean you end up joining sperm age australia and we talked about the list and you know there's a one man that's extremely obese there was one man that drinks beer every night there's one man that smokes a packet of cigarettes a day or something like that you know like these are you know bottom of the barrel you know i could Imagine walking through a shopping center and picking the worst person now. I mean, it's horrible to judge, but I mean, you, you know, I mean, you, when you do go shopping, you do see some interesting characters out there, uh, and you could yeah, just absolutely. you could just picture that person being that person that's written on that piece of paper there and going, "Oh my God, that's horrific!" You know, what I mean, in terms of that, is that going to be the, the biological other half of my future child? is that how you felt yeah exactly exactly yeah I mean it was it was really disheartening um and and kind of disgusting to think about it and and you know it's like I I didn't want to put that in my body and I didn't want to give that to my child to start off in life with you know I mean when when you go the traditional way and you know you find a partner and you move forward in life and you progress to the stages of, of starting a family you know you you find somebody with suitable interests, you know, that's that's healthy and you know you're compatible on multiple levels. Well, you still need that going this direction as well. And and finding somebody that you know does ten studies a night and you know a, a pack of things a day, <laughs> you know that that's probably not what you're looking for. <laughs> No, and, you know, look, for instance, uh, I've got this box here. It's just coming to the, today. Uh, this is all my supplements uh, in here from an ex-batch of uh, supplements. And, you know, I'm taking that to ensure that these children are born healthy in terms of putting the right ingredients into me, which will then go into my fertility, which would then be passed on to another person, Um to ultimately have the ideal ingredients and the uh, right ingredients put together to make a good, healthy child, you know, without cigarettes that degrade your health, uh, too much alcohol that's not good for you either, and unhealthy lifestyle um, that half or most of these donors um, had in, in these profiles here. And I think, you know, for a clinic, they sit there and they go, well, use our donors. Our donors are really, you know, we, we screen them and we do this and we test that you won't get AIDS or, you know, HIV or this and that, you know, they're really like premium donors. But they, why don't they say, all right, 
here's some men of it, some vitamins. Take this before you donate for three months. You know what I mean? And then at least get some healthiness into these men's sperm, whereas they're just accepting these like guys that look like they found that are sleeping on the street and, and saying, hey, can you be our donors? Or obviously that's not the case, but these guys are walking in. And, you know, and these guys are not being alert going, okay, well, maybe you should cut down on cigarettes if you want to be a donor on our program, uh, you know, or perhaps take these vitamins to ensure that these children are born healthy. Uh, you know, there's none of that. And it's, it's really, I don't know, for me, if I, were, I had to pick a donor, I'd want to know what his lifestyle and his habits are. And, and I would even buy my the donor some of those vitamins myself just to ensure that you know he's mm-hmm. he's making himself healthy for the long-term health of my child and that my child could grow old and get through life without negative impacts on you know their their physical health and yeah. for, for me it just seems that you know obviously donors in australia don't get paid to donate so you know you you're not going to get the people that go through there aren't really, you know, they're, they're already at a disadvantage, but it just seems like they're so desperate for donors. They're just willing to accept anyone. And they, you know, they really need to be saying, okay, if you need to be a donor for other thing, you need to improve your health, you know, like, cause I don't think that's great, you know, for you to go through, pay what you paid and then get that list. It's quite disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be quite shocked. Yeah. And yeah. Repulsed. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I and I was and I was especially since you know we're we're aware of um, well you you and I are aware um, the general public may not be so um, aware of this but you know men's men's health and, and fertility you know it's what you put into your body that affects your sperm as well this affects you know the the count you know whether whether or not you know the strong swimmers it's it's all it's all part of that and you know. For me, knowing that and going through that process to get through that, um, you know, through all the testing and everything and the, and the counseling and pain, um, um, God knows how much before sitting down for that donor list and seeing that, it was such a disappointment because they they don't care. It's, it's like it's a numbers game. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, I don't want to pay, you know, $2,500 to $3,000 each time for you know sperm that's not healthy and potentially isn't going to do anything anyway i might as well just take that and flush it down the toilet do you think it's just the case of oh we'll just get the numbers in just whatever donor and you've already paid this you, you feel like you're trapped you you, you can't back out because you've already paid two or two grand or three grand worth in you know installments or pay you get your donor list and you're like okay this one's really bad um but we're already in this process now we have to pick pick one and this is the best one of the you know the whatever's there and and then you you pick that one because you haven't got any other choice and you feel trapped because you already spent that money uh, or you got the option of pay more and you can get an international donor uh option mm-hmm. as well and then yeah you got to go through it that way i mean it's it it does sound like it's you know it's very sneaky uh how they how they go about it and uh bring you in and yeah, they won't give the donors vitamins or anything like that because that obviously costs them money to do that. But then, you know, they're providing you really low quality sperm. And like, that's the thing, like these men that they've got at the clinics, 
if you saw him in the shopping center or walking past you on the street, you'd be like, there's no way that man's um, sperm's going to meet with my egg. But because you can't see yeah. him, yeah. you're sort of being a bit, yeah, I don't know. So you've joined, so you started Googling, I'm guessing, after that, and then you've come across Sperm Donation Australia. Mm-hmm. And you joined there. I did. And uh, you started looking into, obviously, uh, a better candidate to be be your donor than what was available at the clinics. So how did that go? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I found the, the whole process, um, <laughs> it blew my mind. I had no idea that something like this existed at the time. Um, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant, the fact that there were, you know, people who essentially, you know, they didn't get payment for this. They, they weren't, you know, a part of the clinic. There was no benefit to them other than, you know, for their own good feeling of helping people who are struggling. Um, and I thought that, that was, you know, a really amazing setup. Um, and it just, it, it blew my mind to know that something like that existed. And I initially was very silent um, as, as part of the group and just kind of watched and, and observed, figured out, um, who who was you know talking the most? What was going on? Just just getting educated on on the whole setup because it was so foreign to me. Um, and I came across um, I had a few chats with you. I think there was somebody who um, did a couple of posts that uh, was a bit unsettling. Um, and I think I sent you um, screenshots of that and went, um, "Is this normal?" <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, you and I had a bit of a chat about it and, and I think that person um, was probably politely asked to, to leave. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, you've, you've got that burden, I should say, of, of screening through everybody. And I can only imagine what that's like on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and then also we rely on the reporting culture as well and, you know, they... Mm. soon slip out you know if the women are out there looking for out for other women or if women feel that you know that's something um inappropriate or wants to query something you know you you do that and then it gets dealt with and that way you know we constantly stay on top so you know if we didn't stay on top then everyone would be dealing with uh you know uh, unpleasant unexp- uh, experiences all the time so you know if we all take one for the team when it comes and, and report them we get them out and then yeah it keeps the quality really good uh overall so if you uh chat to a few people you've ultimately come across one that fits the bill um so to speak you know what was the process so you know obviously you're looking for someone um, healthy i'm guessing what was the part of the questions that you were asking this person or these people that you're talking and, you know, what was really important for you? Because obviously there's going to be a lot of single uh, mums to be going through this process, right, or going through this process right now. There's probably many of them sitting there silently, taking it all in, all the stages that you've gone mm-hmm. through. Uh, yeah. yeah, so what was important to you? Uh, well, for me, I wanted I wanted to meet them. Um, and it, that was, you know, a little bit uncomfortable at first, but it's, you know, it's something if you're going to go forward with this, you, you need to be able to tick all the boxes. So I wanted somebody that was local that I could go and meet and sit down and have a chat with. I needed to see 
see if I sensed any red flags to see if I was, you know, okay and comfortable with working with this person. Because this is, you know, a very private and, and essentially an, an intimate thing that you're, you're doing. And you, you need to be, you know, have, have trust and, and be comfortable in going forward in this process. Um, so I needed to be able to sit down with them and talk to them. I wanted to know their reasons for doing this. I wanted to know how long they've been doing that, what successes they had had. Um, if they had, you know, a partner or a wife or anything like that, were they aware of that, how, how they felt about them doing this? These are all things that were really important. I understand everybody's family dynamic is different, but I also respect that it's all different. And with somebody that was um, married and his, his spouse um, or even partnered, you know, and, and their partner did not know about this, that would not sit well with me and I would not have chosen them. And yeah, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, I, Just, you I, know, I think you need that, that openness and that communication is imperative. Honesty and transparency is really important here. You know, you got a child that's going to be born, mm. and that's the thing. You know, a lot of people go, "Oh, you know, it's like going for your first job interview." You know, when you're, you're just fresh out of school and you, you know, you're really nervous of going in there, and you don't know what to expect. You know, you're going to get judged and all this, and and vice versa. Or am I going to say the right things? Or you know, and you're meeting someone to have a child potentially have a child and you, you know you want to see how they talk their mannerisms their attitudes because anyone anyone can just write something down on a piece of paper and then it fills out on their you know stat their donor little information profile that they give you you know anyone can write anything on paper anything can type it you know type it you know uh, people have time to think when they're typing or, or, or writing writing stuff down whereas you know when you meet someone face to face it's just like you ask that question it's like boom and you see how they respond or react to it and you can sort of get a sense of uh, yeah. uh warmth or comfort or you or this or this person's i don't feel is telling the truth or a bit shady you know from mannerisms and the way you know they talk about it and obviously when you're confronting them with a question in that way they can't go think about it for five minutes and then answer it you know it's sort of they're speaking on their mind so it's a face-to-face -face conversation and some people are shy or introverted that, that you know they it, it's a, a big uh you know it's in, it's daunting for them to uh to confront someone mm -hmm. and, and speak about it but with the laws now with donor and anonymity and stuff through clinics and that you know your child's going to be able to meet or reach out to that donor when they're 18 at the very latest so you want to pick someone that you're potentially comfortable with you know, you want to pick someone that, that when your child wants to meet them or what, you know, ask questions about them, that you're comfortable that, you know, they're a decent person rather than, than finding out going, Oh gee, you know what I mean? Like later, cause that time will come. It's whether or not you do it today or 18 years away. I'd rather the peace of mind of knowing from day one rather than mm -hmm. it being in the back of my mind, playing on my mind for those 18 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's no point delaying it. You may as well meet someone, chat to them, see if they're a good fit with you, see if their morals and values are in line with you, see if their health and their uh, diet and how they go about their healthy lifestyles uh, resonates with you know with you. Uh, if you go for a meeting and they're pulling out cigarettes and puffing down darts like chain smoking, you're like, well, geez, you know. Yeah. Like, 
So, yeah. <laughs> so you've met a guy, you've walked away from this meeting. Was it, you know, did, was it good vibes from from this um, encounter at the end? You know, or was it not as daunting as? You yeah, yeah. Thought? I met I met a couple of, of the donors on there, and and then I uh, opted to not meet one of them, and the whole situation of dealing with that one person was very uncomfortable like I said it's it's really important for me if they if they had a partner that they'd be aware of it this person did have a partner and they were unaware of that that they were a part of this and, and the whole setup for it um, just seemed really dodgy and I had a lot of red flags that were coming up um, and I just went no this is definitely not the person I made the overreading into it but it's just not something that I'm comfortable with. So we've been con you know, chatting back and forth and, and having big conversations about things. And, and the more we, we depth in it, you know, sometimes, sometimes I can't even describe that feeling. It was just, no, <laughs> just no. Yeah. And, and I went back and, and, you know, started going back through and then put up another post about things and came up with two local people that were really good and had a conversation with them and and from that I I met and, and chose uh one of them and um that that donor was was very good um great with communication answered all of my questions I felt very comfortable with them I could see that there was a level of compassion that was there um they shared with me their story as to why they were doing that which was a, a really lovely story and in that time since then um, of stayed in communication with them and, and they've become a friend of mine, which is, which is nice. That's the thing as well. You know, you become a single mother by choice. You're not looking for potentially another parent, but it's, is it a nice feeling to potentially have someone that you can chat to and communicate with or talk about a potential bub with, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people are worried about, you know, is it, is it too close to home to have a donor that you, you become friends with? For you, did you weigh this up as well, like the boundaries or what you're comfortable with or was there fears to begin with that you had to, you know, think out aloud or back and forth to and fro, so to speak, in terms of how logistically it was going to um, evolve or progress uh, through picking a donor online? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because for me, it was it was something that from my previous marriage was it being back and forth and and you know being told go ahead and, and proceed and, and let's do this and then having it taken off the table again. I had this fear that somebody would do that with my child once they were here. You know that it it would suddenly be co-parenting when I didn't want that to be the case. So it was, it was very important to, to discuss that and, and lay down the boundaries and say, you know, look, I'm, I'm happy to, to send you updates every so often so that you know that they're healthy and, and doing well. But I, I don't want to co-parent. I don't want, um, you know, to, to have a relationship. I, I just I want to move forward with my child um, and raise my family the way that, that fits my life and, and, you know, my you know, goals for, for being a parent and, and, and having a child that is loved beyond words, you know, and, and I, I started journaling everything from day one for my first 
visit with the clinic. Um, and, and I went to, I think, three different clinics in total. Um, I, I journaled each appointment, the pros and cons, the questions I asked, what my mood was, and I, I put it together, and, and probably that's just the author in me, <laughs> but I, I put it together like a storybook so that my future child would be able to see everything that I went through to bring them into this world and to understand that even though I'm doing this as a, as a single parent uh, intentionally, that I never once doubted my decision to do this and that they were always number one in my mind and in my heart. And that they are loved enough for two parents. And I, I think that's really important for them to know that. I think you were married, okay, and essentially it was him that was back and forth and going, okay, no, nah, I don't know if I want to go ahead, don't want to do that. Say, for instance, from the very start, he goes, yep, okay, you got pregnant from him. I think ultimately from what you've discussed, you would have ended up divorced. Based, well, just based <laughs> on how he treated you and, and, and uh, you know, his uh, moods, mood shifts and, yeah. and, and the situation that unfolded, it probably would be safe to say that if you didn't divorce, you'd probably still be putting up with a bit of grief now. Would you, would you say that would be yeah. fair? Like if Because your life, if he had said yes, that then, and you had a child that yeah. way, it'd be very much different to how it's turned out to be now. Um, so in hindsight, yes. yes, absolutely. In hindsight, everything happens for a reason. Um, but looking back, because there'll be a woman right now that's married and she'll be in the situation of going, I really want a baby, but this person is... Uh, I'm putting up with a lot of uh, uh, issues that he's got in his life as well, which is pretty toxic for bringing into a family, but we can be blinded by wanting a child. Now with the, you know, you've got the experience now, you've gone through a marriage that you were in a situation of, do I have a baby with him? Or, you know, he said no. So it didn't ultimately happen. You, you broke up, you went this way, you've had a thing now, but if you could speak to the younger you, or speaking to other women out there now in this situation, do you just say controlling your own destiny, having your own child in a way that you don't have to put, you know, is this the way, is this, a, a, do you reckon it's a better outcome for you now than say if you had a child that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that my, my child, they, you know, there's certain behaviours that they won't be exposed to. Um, and, and I know that I don't have to worry about how that affects them, um, whether or not, you know, they're traumatized by it in some way. And, and I know going forward that they're, they're just going to be loved mm. unconditionally and they're going to have everything that they could possibly need in life to succeed. And you know what? People, people argue back and forth, oh, well, it's, you know, it's better if they have two parents. No, actually, it's not. It's better that they're in a safe and healthy environment that's not toxic, where they're loved, appreciated, and can have the things that they need to succeed in life. You know, the last thing we want to do is bring in children into this world that have such a negative life and, 
you know, that goes into their personality and how they, they go into society later on in life as well when they're older. And, and we, we need to be cautious of that because society is filled with people, you know, with bad attitudes that, you know, have a negative impact on, on the world. And we have things, unfortunately, terrible things that can, can happen for that. In, in the same breath, though, you know, we have people who have come from absolutely horrible environments who have found a way to turn their life around and become amazing people. And they've gone on to have children and, and you know, teach them all the, the things that they learned from growing up that way so that they don't do that and they don't do that with their children. And it, it keeps going forward. But it's, for me, I just, I didn't want my my child to, to be in an environment where I needed to question what their future was going to be like. I wanted their future to be healthy and happy. Because, yeah, that's it. That's, You're... You know, that's my primary focus is they're number one. They're always going to be number one. You know, if, you're, if you've got a child and they're, they're brought up in a family where there's domestic violence or there's um, screaming and shouting or, you know, untoward behaviours that, aren't good and when children are, are young they're the most impressionable they're learning they're learning mannerisms they're learning uh you know how to become a human being and, and how to portray themselves and if they're seeing unsocial behavior being being done there's it's more they're more inclined to develop that sort of behavior themselves because they've grown up seeing it as as normal to them whereas you're now raising your mm-hmm. child with positivity uh I don't know if you're currently looking at dating or you've been dating or, or, or what the situation is, but the reality is if you come across someone that is toxic, you just, you're in full control of you and your, and your, and your child and you can just walk away and, uh, and move on without, you know, when people are stuck uh, in a relationship that's turned sour or bitter with a child, this child is now put in the middle as a, as a pawn and they're developing a lot of bad habits, whether or not, you know, you, you have your sole focus of, of, of love. And, but when you're caught in a, a toxic relationship, it, it spills onto that child in terms of them absorbing this negative energy. Whereas you can now have the pathway of finding a, a, a you know, let's see if you're you, you do look you're looking in the future or whatever but you control your own destiny now in a way that you can protect your child ultimately through by using a donor i guess yeah yeah absolutely and it's you know it's really funny because i remember when i when i told my dad because um you know my, my dad's overseas and i called him and i said you know this is this is what i'm looking at doing and i just want to know your stance on it i'm going to do it anyway <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to know where you sit on the subject and I will never forget um I was actually on I, I called him on FaceTime so I got to see his face when I told him that and he says to me I'm really proud of you I think it's a very strong thing that you're doing and and, you know, and I think if anybody can do it you can do it and I support you 100% and I think the thing to remember here is the perk to this is you won't have any baby daddy drama <laughs> um and and you know he's he's right and you know going going forward and and dating and and you know anything like that it's i'm i'm always going to do what's best for her first and foremost and it's it's not about looking for somebody 
you know, to, to come in and be a part of that. But if there is somebody that comes along, you know, I expect them to, to understand why I've done what I've done and, and respect that decision that I've made and want to be a part of it. Well, I don't know. I mean, have you been dating since you've been going down this process? Uh, you know, have you come across men that you, you've told um, that you're going down the single mother by choice route? I mean, I'm not sure if you have or you've been focused on doing other stuff, but I mean, that's an interesting part as well because people obviously might not have a partner now, but they, you know, is, is that something that you're potentially open to or you, you do not like, might not, not be actively looking, but you do, you know, every now and then just going oh a companion might be nice or something like that like how do you weigh it up now as uh, you know a single mother by choice moving on obviously you're busy doing your offering and and books that you're putting out there and stuff like that you're a busy lady but i mean yeah how do you you know obviously there's a, there'll be women listening today going oh i still like a partner in the future you know where whereabouts are you at in terms of of, of uh yeah where you see you, you moving forward in the future um, well, it's not something that I'm specifically looking into at the moment. Um, you know, I've, I've got a daughter who's 16 weeks now and she's my main focus. Um, books and, and everything are, are second to that. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think back and I think, you know, sometimes it would be really, really nice just to be able to, to have somebody there and, and, and share that load with. But at the same time, it's not something that I feel is, is necessary, is, is required. I don't go looking for it. Um, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the way things are now. And I think that, you know, going forward, I think it's going to, to take someone very special to, to change my mind from where I'm at with this. Yeah. I just, I love my life <laughs> where it is. And, um, I just, I, I think I'm more of a, a non-traditional person in that sense. I don't, not to be necessarily, you know, cynical, but I don't think Disney fairy tales exist. I never have. I think your fairy tale is what you make it, is, is what suits your lifestyle. Um, and, you know, I don't think women out there need to, you know, be rescued and, and always have somebody there to move forward in life it's you know it's i think it's nice to have people there and it's good to have support but i don't i don't think that that's you know that's that's not a requirement for me yeah you don't you don't need that knight and shining armor to whisk you off your feet and carry you carry you to like glory and happiness yeah. you know you can find it within yourself you just gotta believe in yourself back Absolutely. yourself I think, you know, I think society, though, you know, the way society is set up and and all that is we had those expectations, you know. You know, as you said, you went and confronted your father. You were strong enough, Will, to say, I'm going to do it anyway. But there's a lot of people that are, are <laughs> very scared about telling family members, you know, there's a shame that, oh, sorry, well, I never had a partner, so I couldn't, you know, like, um, you know, I should be having a child but because I didn't have a partner, but... Or I'm a failure because I didn't find a partner to have a child with, so I'm going to pick a donor. Like there's, you know, this day and age now, that stigma needs to be broken um, down because, you know, we're looking at divorce rates and and breakup rates, yeah. and we're and we're seeing that well, this way is is got a really high chance of failure 
compared to yeah. going down the option that you you chose. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and one of one of the other family members that I told initially about this um, is is my my grandmother, and she was actually my mom's stepmother, um, and and came into to that family when my mom was quite young. So she was a very prominent mother figure, but she never had children of her own. She inherited five kids when she when she married my grandfather, but she she never had any children of her own. And she and I used to have conversations about that, and that was her regret in life that she never did. She never got to truly experience that. And when I told her that's what I was doing, she was so proud, and she said, "You go for it. You do that, and you let me know what it's like." And I just thought that was just such a beautiful moment. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you've ultimately got your little gift now or your first one anyway. And, uh, you know, but it was quite a process for you <laughs> yeah. as well. Like, you know, you, you've come on, you found a donor for Sperm Days Australia, but then you realised you got a few curveballs thrown at you now with, uh, with your body. Uh, not in the, well, not in saying not in the best condition, but obviously having complications that required surgeries and stuff like that? Yes, yes, yes. I had stage four endometriosis that was undiagnosed. Um, I was on a birth control injection in my late teens and early 20s for a number of years that silenced the symptoms and the side effects of having endo. So it went undiagnosed. By the time we discovered it, um, I've had a number of surgeries to clean that up. And I, I still have to have more, unfortunately. But they found that I needed to have a section of my bowel removed due to the damage. I also had um, a lot of damage to, um, to my ovaries and to, and you know, it was one of those that there was scar tissue and everything involved and nobody really knew what the overall outcome was going to be. All they knew is once they were in there and they could see the damage, that I was a prime candidate for a hysterectomy. So <laughs> the clock was on. I think uh, you would attend to that and we'll, we'll, get, we'll resume back shortly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me just a moment. <laughs> Otherwise everyone's going to think you're a bad mum. And <laughs> Oh, it looks like we got a little special, oh, special little guest here. Yeah, I've got somebody that's not very happy. <laughs> it doesn't sound like this dummy's working. <laughs> okay. How does they move from that a bit? <laughs> well, she's got, she's quite, um, She's got a set of lungs on her, doesn't she? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it was it was a bit funny because um, when she was when she was born, um, she was very unhappy about something when one of the doctors was looking her over, and she really started screaming. And the doctor turned around and looked at me and said, "What did you name her?" And I said, "Scarlet." But I'm thinking I should have named her Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely got some strong. Definitely has a set of lungs. 
And I've got headphones on everyone, so yeah. they're coming right through the ears. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. She's she's good. She's um um had a lot of issues with reflux. Severe yeah, it's, it's reflux. Quite, it's quite common at and, that age. Um because of that yeah, well she was doing projectile spews. Um like entire spews. Yeah, and, and struggle to put on put on some weight initially, and um, because of all that, because of her age and how how she's she's tracking with things, the pediatrician thought it was safe to go ahead and try solids with her a bit early, and she took to it like a fish in water. Absolutely loves it. Um, but of course, you know we've only been on that for five days now. And her poor little tummy is adjusting to the difference between just having milk to suddenly having milk in and a little bit of solids here and there. And yeah. she gets some, some rather intense tummy pain. It's funny, you know, because when I had my children and you buy the solid baby food and there's like pumpkin and corn or there's uh, apple and pear or, you know, <laughs> I mean, like there's a, or there's a custard one. Yeah. And uh, you go out. And, well, basically my ex-partner should go out and should buy all these um, baby foods and they're all the different flavours and varieties and that. And when it was my turn to mm. to feed the, the baby with the solids, it was always I always picked the the sweeter ones, the nice ones, because I thought, oh, I'll get brownie points on this, you know, like I think I'm the, the good one that feeds <laughs> on the good stuff. <laughs> and I'll let her pick the, the pumpkin and the, you know, the... The more savory types. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, but I don't, I don't think it worked out. I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think they remember that too well. To I don't think it's worked long term anyway. I mean, like my kids love me still, and they love their mo- their mother, obviously. But yeah, it's, it's sort of at the time I was thinking, oh, I'm winning. Yeah. Great strategy going forward. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've uh, done. Well, actually, I fed uh, one of the little. Um, babies the other week actually a couple a couple of weeks ago uh, went and met uh, well I've met him before as well but uh, this time I fed him dinner um, went around and saw the parents and oh nice I fed it to, um, yeah. gave me the thing and I, I fed it and I, I and he was actually crying at me because I couldn't feed him for, I was doing it too slow like I was getting it and he already got <laughs> dot <laughs> and, then, and then I'm going to get the next one. And he's like, Rah! Yeah. and I'm like, holy, this guy just wolfs it down, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does the same. And it's like, you can see I'm putting it on the spoon. Just give me a second. It's coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. She, she gets her legs going and she's kicking and, you know, <laughs> arms everywhere. And she's like, just feed me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it was funny. It was, um, yeah, but I've only obviously I've been out of my game. I haven't done the haven't done the feed in the while, so I was like, oh, gotta get probably slight. You got to get mm. your own coordination back, hooking the spoon in and, and doing it again to get back in training to to feed them to to keep up with their demands. It's yeah, I was that I was caught out there. So yeah, yeah. So look, you got your lovely little baby. You, you experienced uh, stage four endo, mm. and um, you've had to go through the clinic route. So you got some embryos put together, I'm guessing. Yeah. What happened, and how many how many came about it, and what was the did you like taking the medic or not like, but how did you find taking the medication and these sorts of drugs? Uh, what was your experience with that? 
Um, it didn't. It didn't really bother me, to be honest. Um, I would have done anything in the world for her. Yeah. So, you know, taking taking supplements and, and tablets and injections and and everything like that. It it was just on the way to get here. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it it didn't it didn't matter that it was you know whether it was uncomfortable or you know they necessarily made me feel sick or anything like that it was this is this is what I have to do to get there and getting there is the most important thing so and did you do it <laughs> so you did it how many eggs did they extract and yeah. how, and how many did it turn into embryos from that yeah so they took nine. Um, they took, they put one back in and I have five. So you've got five, five sitting there on ice. Mm-hmm. You've, uh, you've had your little baby now. Uh, obviously with the situation of your endo four, you've, you've got, you know, you've, you've literally you've got a baby that's 16 weeks old. You, you essentially got a battle of time again. What's the plans now for yeah. a sibling? Uh, I'll let you know after next week. (laughs) (laughs) So you've moved on really quickly, but you you know. I've I've got to transfer. Yeah, I've got to transfer next week. And, you know, you you seem like you're a very determined person because a lot of people, you know, have just given birth. You know, there's single mother by choice. You know, there's you don't have that support as you would say with, you know, you've got a lot of family living overseas. And you're just, this is what I need to do. And this is what I got to do to get it. And it just seems mm-hmm. that you, your eyes are on the prize. And uh, that, is that the mind frame you've got to get yourself in? You know, you've got to get yourself in that, that state of mind of, right, if I want to give this child a sibling, this is potentially what I've got to do. I've got to act now. Like, because a lot of people go, oh, childbirth was traumatic or this was enduring. I just want to have a, a year or two or free off and and then look at it then. For you, you've got to be mentally strong to, to go bam, 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 you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, continue on. Like, you know, so, I mean. <laughs> that all over again, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's it like now going back and to I, back? I do think it's on mindset. Yeah. So. Um, it's exciting. It is. Yeah. And what, what would your advice be to women, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, they know they want a sibling and stuff like that and they might have a battle against the time or, you know, what's your advice for them in terms of little tips and pointers that you could put to them that, you know, could help them in the process of, of, of doing what they need to do? Yeah, well, I, I would say that, you know, a, a positive mindset um, is needed at any stage of this. Um, and that's, that's really important. But I'd say, if, you know, you, you know your body and it will, it will tell you if you're not ready. And I think that, that's really important. Um, I've, you know, it's, it's one of those things that... I, I didn't necessarily choose the, the timing for this. What I did was was let my body come back naturally and and go from there, and and let it dictate what it was ready for going forward. 
I mean, you've had a really good turnaround, really, essentially, uh, to, you know, 16 weeks prior to baby and you're, you're ready to go again. I mean, like some women uh, aren't even getting um, a period, uh, a regular cycle in, in that time since. So really, ultimately, it's you bounce back pretty quickly from this as well. Uh, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you probably would anticipate. Yeah, but it's, it it's so- something that can't be rushed, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it could have been something that I, you know, I was still waiting for that to recycle and then be able to, to do that. Or it could be like it is now where it was really quick turnaround and, and everything was fine. And you never know until you get there. So and that's what I mean. Don't, don't push yourself, but, but let your body, you know, get there naturally. While you're doing all this, everyone's thinking, everyone's yeah. everyone's physically, mentally is exhausted. Thinking, oh God, she's going another one already, and you know, baby's crying on the on the podcast here. They're like, everyone's thinking, this lady's superwoman <laughs> right now. <laughs> but at the same time, Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, was there a superwoman, or was it always Wonder Woman? I can't remember now. It was I think there was a superwoman? Uh, there's there? a supergirl, I think. Supergirl, I yeah. think. But um, Wonder Woman's very predominant in my life. Um, my my daughter's middle name is Diana for that reason. Ah, yeah, <laughs> nice. But at the same time, yeah. you're also putting books together, being author from books. Uh, mm. You've yeah. uh, got the achieving parenthood. The struggles are real. The hope is internal. That's is it out or is it coming out really soon? Uh, I think you can get pre-order copies. Yeah, now, yeah, it'll it? be out next month. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so, we're getting ready to do the pre-release. Um, that should be hopefully next week, and then we'll we'll have the book um, out towards the end of next month in August. But it's it's a really great um, book because it's a collaboration. Where did the inspiration come from when putting this book together? Uh, who, did you, how did you come across the people? You know, is uh, I've seen a, a little uh, the contents page of all the chapters and all that sort of stuff, and there seems to be some interesting headline uh, titles there, which all captures different people's uh, mm-hmm. journeys and experiences, uh, unique experiences and stuff like that. What? How did you come across these people? Where did the inspiration come of collaborating and putting all this together to create what is ultimately going to be a book that you know is going to inspire people um, and take people through some other people's emotions on this journey to achieving parenthood? Uh, yeah, it's, well, to be to be honest, a lot of that, most of that, was someone by the name of Kelly Head and and. She has her own book prior to this, and she and I are with the same publisher. And we had a bit of a chat, and she knew at the time um, I was going through treatment to have her. And we we started chatting about this, and and she got some background information on me, and said, you know, look, I'm thinking about doing this, and what do you think about it? And I thought it was a great concept, and jumped at the opportunity to to be a part of that with her. And we've gone from that to having a number of um, other people who never thought about writing a book before be able to share their story. There's um, a couple from California. There's um, a lady in Melbourne. Um, 
there's another in South Australia, there's a couple of people in Brisbane, all over. We've got an embryologist, a fertility specialist, a fertility counselor. There's, there's a lot of great people and great stories um, with this that hopefully will provide some information as well as some inspiration, which I, I, I think people definitely need. Did you find that, you know, you're looking for inspiration? I mean, you seem to be a, a person that can gather strength, as I've said before, focus on what you need to do and get it done. But like you, you would have come across um, other women that would have had struggles finding this mental strength. And obviously you put this together to help other people that may be um, struggling or, or uh, you know, to show you that there is this internal hope uh, outcome? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said before, I, I think the, the biggest part of all of this is mindset. And I think as long as you, you stay positive, I, I, I think that's, that's the big thing to, to keep in mind. Even when things aren't going well, you know, it was when, when they said, you know, you're a prime candidate for a hysterectomy, and you've got a lot of damage and you know, you've got less than a 30% chance of this working. But if you're going to try, you need to do it now. And it was like, okay, let's do it now. I was, I was all in, let's do it. And, but I, I knew what my goal was. I knew what I wanted. And even if it didn't work, I was going to try my damnedest first. And I think even going forward, like, you, you don't know just because there's an embryo, you don't know that it's going to take. But for me, my mindset is that if it doesn't, it wasn't supposed to. And I, I view things differently than a lot of women. And, and I'm sure that you know, some people won't understand my take on that because I don't necessarily view it as a loss. I view it as that it, it, it's not the right time. It's not meant to happen, but I believe everything happens for a reason. And that's, that's a very big part of my life is that belief. Do you feel that mindset went a big way, whether or not subconsciously you're releasing hormones in a, in a different way that, you, you know, your body um, based on, you know, uh, releases out. So you, by staying in a positive mindset, you've given your body, you know, uh, it's telling your body you're in a good place that to carry and have a child. So you body subconsciously is going okay well ready because you know you look at what you've had to go through the complications that you've had um statistically in the manner that in the, in the effectiveness that you've had this first um child through through after um you know getting embryos and and that and being put in put in you probably have had really the ideal outcome based on statistically what you're put up against is that would that be fair to say that your mindset probably does go a long way in terms of maybe helping achieve the little one being here now yeah yeah I I really do think that like I said I started journaling all the appointments and and everything and when I found out that I was pregnant with her um, my journal entries continued but I would I would do things and and I would I would talk to I would talk to her and say that you know it's you're here you're here with me and I'm doing everything that I can on my end 
So you stay strong, you hold on there because we're going to get through this and we're going to, we're going to be together soon. You're going to be in my arms soon. And I, I would talk to her all the time and I would write that in the journal. And, and you know, hopefully she'll, she'll read it one day and she'll be like, oh my gosh, mom, seriously, look at this <laughs> and, and laugh about it. And, but enjoy the fact that, you know, I just, it was so important going forward and, and focusing on the fact that I, I was actually pregnant, that it, that it did happen. And, and, you know, I think with any, you know, mother going into this, you, you know, your thoughts can, can go down to a dark place where you, you wonder, okay, you know, have I gotten here just to, to have something happen? And you, you can't really focus on that. I mean, it's, it's an underlying, you know, thought that's always there, you know, and, is something going to happen and we're going to lose the baby, you know, because it happened. We have no control over that. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm not going to think that. I'm going to do the reverse of that. And I'm going to focus. You're here. You're here with me. We're going to stay strong. Let's get through this. You know, we've got so many days left or, or you know, months or weeks or however you want to track it. And, and that's what I did. And, and I feel like that was, that was really beneficial. And so we'll, we'll wrap it up shortly. I'll quickly ask you a question about New Zealand. Obviously, I'm going to New Zealand to try and promote more sperm donors to donate because they, their clinics are pushing yeah. out to three-year waits now. And I've got my uh, haters in, oh, in, wow. in the other corner that are trying to tell me what I'm about and, and, and all this. But, you know, ultimately, if I can go to New Zealand and inspire more men to become donors and I feel that I'm walking away from it and uh, put him in good hands uh, to help change, make change over there and hopefully more people can have their families without these long waits and obviously if they have stage four endo three year waits aren't going to be cut up for them and they can't really get international donors over there with their laws. They've got to rely on local donors. What yeah. would you say to me? Cause you've lived in New Zealand. I don't know what part you lived in, but you know, is there any must do things that I must do in my time there? Is there any recommendations that you have for me and my holiday slash crusade of uh, inspiring people along this pathway? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I lived in a place just outside of Wellington for a while called Porirua. Um And that's, the, the drive from there into Wellington is, is coastal and it is absolutely stunning. It truly is. And before I lived there, I lived in uh, Waihi Beach, um, which is about two hours from Auckland. And another, you know, coastal area, it's, it's kind of on, on a peninsula, absolutely beautiful. You've got a black sand beach that's right there. Definitely recommend Wow, thank you. Yeah, well, I'll have to keep that, that way and, and having a look. I'll have to keep that in mind. So, achieving parenthood, everyone, the struggle's real, the hope is internal. Keep an eye out on this podcast episode information guide. There will be a link to where you can find it. Uh, you can uh, follow Samantha J. Richardson, uh, her Instagram, and other details will be listed on, that, on, the, on the podcast information page. So, check that out. Be a very inspiring uh, read to come across, uh, to delve into. And, uh, yeah, do you have any parting messages you want to leave with uh, the audience that is tuning in? Words of wisdom? Um, I would just say remember your mindset. Yeah, remember your mindset. Remember to be positive even when you don't feel like it. It's, it is really important for your body and for your mindset and well-being. And, and 
go to counseling before, after, during. It's really good to be able to talk about what you're going through. It's an emotional journey and it can be a very lonely journey in the sense that a lot of people don't understand why you would want to do this. And it's, and it's good just to have, you know, your own, you know, mental support for that, any emotional support. It's, it's an imperative for you and it's imperative for your child. Well, Samantha, you've achieved some great things. You can see, I can see the evidence right there. You're uh, going to, um, <laughs> you've got a book coming out soon. You've got more works on the way. I wish you all the best and uh, thanks for coming on the show today and, uh, you know, putting a bit of information out there, sharing a bit of inspiration, sharing a good mindset to be in and hopefully the listeners today can walk away feeling a bit more positive on their possible like journey ahead. And you're Adam. Thanks for joining me today. No I can make an explosion and all those things